0: If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, pick up where we left off last week and um, just because I announced it last Sunday morning in our service, um, just to let you know this morning the church did approve um, some end of the year gifts to some special ministries, um, the Planet Oaks Orphanage in Nepal and um, restored counseling and coaching which is Brother Mitch's and also. Um, the Shop with the Cop program, we gave them a gift to um, help make kids' Christmas, some underprivileged kids' Christmas a little brighter. And uh, having said that, looking looking at our year, God has blessed us beyond measure. I'm telling you, we have we have been tremendously blessed. And um, I think a lot of God's, you know, you can't out-give Him. It doesn't matter how much you give, you can't out Him. And we've tried the last few years to honor God by... Uh, at least tithing 10% of our budget to outside missions and ministries that we may never ever see any tangible benefit here whatsoever, but we give, trusting they're doing the work of the Lord. And if you consider what we've given to outside ministries, plus what the men have done and the ladies have done this year, our outside giving um, will probably <laughs> exceed $70,000. Um, and, and, and so I'm, I'm thankful to you for your faithfulness in giving. I'm thankful to the Lord for entrusting us um, to serve him in these ways. And uh, we, we trust that he'll use that for his glory and honor for his kingdom's upbuilding. We've been talking the last few weeks about, um, about how to walk worthy of our high calling in Christ. The first three chapters of Ephesians are incredible because they tell us who we are because of what Christ has done for us. And um, we ought not to have an identity crisis after reading those first three chapters. Um, uh, you can, uh, I think it's Ephesians 2, round verse uh, number 4, and it says, um, uh, But God who was rich in his grace and mercy with his great love wherewith he had loved us. Um, everything that we are and everything that we do is because God in his rich mercy loved us, gave himself for us so that he could save us from our sins. So we talked about who we are in Christ, what our position is, and then Paul started in chapter 4 talking about what that means to us in our everyday living, and he used the words to walk worthy of the vocation that we are called to. Walk in a way that's worthy, that brings Christ honor and glory, that exalts Him for what He has done for us. We're not saved because of what we do. We're saved because of what He did. Um, but there's a way that we ought to walk because of what He did on our behalf. And so we, we've talked about walking in unity those first few verses of chapter 4 say that there's, that, the, that the ground is level at the foot of the cross and that, that we come Jew and Gentile, we come bond and free, we come male and female, we come black and white, we come kings and beggars. We all come together under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are no, there are no big eyes and little U's. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And he says for us to walk in that unity because when we do that, it honors Christ. Um, but when we do that, it builds up his church. When we do that, it is a witness to the world. His last prayer, I want them to be one in me as I am, Father, in you, that they might be one in us. And then a, the world will know that you have sent me. In, in chapter 4, verses 7 through 16, that we're to walk with purpose. And I, I, I looking at that, it's probably the easiest I've ever uh Put it together when, I, when I, I, I preached that passage of scripture before, and it's a run, one long sentence and it's hard to wrap your mind around. But when I began to see that as God's building program for His kingdom on earth, that He gives us the gifts that we need, um, that He raises up both leaders and laborers in His body, and that when they work together, God's plan comes together and His temple is established on the earth, His kingdom is established on the earth, uh, and it is a kingdom and a temple. Um, that will take its permanent residence in heaven one day And we're privileged to be a part of that We're blessed to be a part of that And we ought to walk with that purpose in mind That God is building his kingdom through, in and through his church um, Ephesians seven or four seventeen through 32 walk in holiness um, God is holy, the Bible says God is holy, holy, holy And the Bible says that we ought to be holy because God is holy That's not an option for us, it's a command to us and, um, and so he calls us to walk in holiness so that we can be um, a revealer of his holy nature to the world. And then last week we talked about walking in love, that Christ is displaying his loving nature to us, in us, and through us. And he calls us to walk in love, to be imitators of God, and to love each other, especially in the context of the church, as God has loved us. Now, that, that also means that we love our enemies because God loved us while we were his enemies. And so walk in love. And and, and beginning in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3, um, Paul says this, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient or which are not beneficial or which are not proper, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, And righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doeth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So Paul's admonition for us today and our walking worthy of that calling is that we walk in light, that we walk in light. Now, when I began studying for this, I, I, you know, I thought a lot about what walking in holiness and walking in light is all about and how are they different from each other. And I think those two do overlap each other quite a bit. But, but, but reading what Paul talked about holiness and other places that talked about holiness, I believe that that holiness is internal. It, holiness is more a matter of the heart and, and from that heart flows the life. Um, light, when we talk about walking in light, you can be holy in your heart and nobody really see that. But when you walk in light, you become, you reveal with your life that holiness um, that is in your heart. In the scripture, when you, when you start talking about the whole business of darkness and light, they, it's used all, all the way through the scripture. Uh, even from the beginning, first few verses of, of, of the Scriptures, darkness and light is always used to contrast the works of Satan and the works of God. The works of Satan are classified under works of darkness, and the works of God are classified under works of light. Let me give you some examples of that. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, the, you, know how the, you know how it all begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible said in verse 2 that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Um, some translations will say um, that the earth was wasted and chaotic um, in a in, in place of, of without form and void. It was wasted and chaotic and darkness was upon the face of the land. And the Spirit of God moved upon the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. Now that's not the sun, that's not the moon, that's not the stars because he did that on another day. He, he spoke light into a dark world. And then verse 4, the Bible says, And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Matthew chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, which is a, a verse that we often read at this time of the year, The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. And from that time, verse 17 says, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So you've got the contrast there um, that the world was lying in darkness and Christ came to bring it light. That the world was lying in sin and Christ came to bring a message of repentance that would lead them to salvation. In John chapter 1, and, and, and I think John used the language of Genesis to introduce the Lord Jesus Christ. When he said in verse 4, in him was life. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. They did not receive the light that was being shown to them. In John's Gospel, John chapter 3, right, following that passage that we know so well in John three sixteen, Verse 19 of John chapter 3 says, this is the commandment, or this is the condemnation rather, that light... Is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. And every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So I think if you under, if you understand that this this business of walking in the light is a display of the work of God. In the life of this world, in the life of every born again believer. In fact, I, I think John chapter three, um, verse nineteen through twenty one illustrates our calling in Christ to be light bearers to the dark world that we live in. And um, and I'm, I'm going to show you how to be light bearers in this passage of Scripture that Paul gave us this morning. And the first main point is this: that we are supposed to abstain from being partakers of the darkness. That is around us. Do not partake of the darkness that is around you. Darkness exists in the absence of light. And God has called us to, be, to abstain from participating in the works of darkness that are going on around us. He gives us a list of six examples. And, and every time Paul gives these lists in the Bible, I don't think he's trying to be exhaustive in the list. I think he's just giving some illustrated examples of what we should not be Doing And he lists six things there. Fornication. We're not to participate in. Fornication is any kind of sexual activity outside the boundaries of a biblical marriage. And I'll be honest, it's a shame that we even have to say the term biblical marriage anymore. But there are people calling things marriage that are not marriage on the Bible's definition of marriage. Um, But when you talk about fornication, the word is porneus, which is the same a term that we get pornography from, but it is literally any kind, any and all sexual acti- acti- activity that 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 is outside the ban- the boundaries of a Bible marriage, and that that includes premarital sex, that includes extramarital sex, that includes, you know, the 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 out, the letter, all those letters that we've got now that define sexuality. Um, it's, they've thrown the whole alphabet at us here lately. And I don't even know the difference in some of them, but it, it includes any kind of activity outside of marriage. Homosexuality, bisexuality, um, polyamory, whatever you want to call it. Culturally, um, they are calling all kinds of things okay sexually. The Bible calls one thing okay sexually, and that is between a man and a woman in a marriage covenant. Hebrews chapter 13, I believe it was verse 4, said, um, that marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled. But adulterers and whoremongers, God will judge. Fornication, uncleanness—that is impu- impurity of any kind. Uh, anything that is immoral, anything that is lustful, anything that is shameless in our thoughts, in our motives, in our in our deeds. Covetousness—that is greed, lust for things that do not belong to us, or or and or are not good. For us now in those first three things I personally and I, I can't I personally believe that when Paul talked about these first three things that he's talking about everything um, that is sexually immoral and not just the activities um, but the, but the, but the motives and the impurities that are in our heart and the desire for things that do not belong to us and are, are not good for us I personally think that he's talking about all, all manner of sexual, perversions, and immorality in those three words. Then he talks about filthiness, um, obscenity. Filthiness is obscenity. I looked all these up in Strong's Concordance. You can do the same. Shamefulness in our language, in our behaviors, and or in our gestures towards each other. Foolish talking. Literally, it is moronic speech. Um, you look up the word, and it comes from the same word that we, that we take moron from. It is moronic speech, which means lewd or silly discourse that has no benefit whatsoever to those that are hearing it. Um, th- it there is no purpose in it. And he used the word convenient. There is no benefit, no purpose in using that kind of l- speech. And then jesting is speech that turns normal discourse into something that's vulgar and, and obscene. And, and, and we know that that happens around us. Now, here's, here's what I think in those six things that Paul is talking primarily about sexuality and about speech. And the reason that I believe he is discussing these things, and again, I don't think this is an exhaustive list of things we are not supposed to be participating in, but human sexuality and human speech are the two most visible things to the world that surround us. Human sexuality and human speech are the things that are most visible to the dark world that exists around us. And, and we can either blend in with that world by, the, by, by our sexuality and our speech, or we can stand out from the world by maintaining those standards that the Scripture has set for us. He gives us three reasons for not engaging, for abstaining from the darkness of the world. The first is that it is unbecoming of saints. That simply means it is inappropriate. It is not befitting for those who name the name of Christ to do those things. The Bible says, Let every man that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The Lord knows those that are His, and let those who name the name of Christ walk away from iniquity. It is unbecoming of saints. It is not the way that the Lord wants us to look in and to this world. Secondly, and this is a very serious statement here, exclusiveness of God's kingdom. If you look at the words that he used, know this, that no whoremonger that is sexually immoral nor unclean person or covetous who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. People that do these things have no inheritance in the kingdom. Now, I would caution you, don't try to explain that away. Don't try to pretend like that is not there. That is a very stern reason given why we don't participate in those things because people who do, do not have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Not only that, but it is inclusive. The last thing is, it is inclusive of God's wrath that people that do those things deserve the wrath of God that's coming to them because they're walking as children of disobedience. Now, that's some pretty good reasons. Number one, it doesn't look anything like what a, God wants a saint to look like. Number two, people that do those things don't have an inheritance in the kingdom like we do. And number three, you invite the wrath of God to come against you when you sin in those ways. And then he closes by giving us a warning and a command, which I think is very important to this discussion this morning. The first thing he said is, is in, in, in verse um, 5, For this you know, and then in verse 6, let no man deceive you. For this you know, let no man deceive you. In other words, you know better. If you are a child of God, you know better than to walk that way. You, 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 you have an understanding that God expects different from you because of who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that the, um, uh, the warning there is don't let anybody anywhere convince you otherwise. He said in that passage of scripture, let no man deceive you with empty words. Now there are people out there today that are doing everything in their power to deceive the saints that it's okay to live that way. It is not. And Paul warned about it. Don't let any man deceive you with empty words. Um, enticing words. 2 Peter chapter 2 would be a good chapter for you to read in that same vein. While they promise you liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. Listen, this is dangerous ground that men are walking. There's a um, there's there's a hashtags that are trending out there now are exvangelical, not evangelical, but exvangelical, and progressive Christianity. And what they're doing is knocking all the boundaries off that you can, you can be involved in any kind of sexuality you want to be involved in because God still loves you. Um, and, and, and they're calling those of us who still ascribe to those standards legalists. There are people that are falling for this mess lock, stock, and barrel. Um, they're, they're, they're claiming and naming the name of Christ and living completely lawless lives. That is contradictory to every teaching in the New Testament. They're making it easy. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to die to yourself. If you want to, if, if you want to find your life, lose it. If you want to be my witnesses in the world and be followers of Christ, um, then walk away from your self-government and let me lead you and guide you. Lay down your life for my sake. The, pe- the world is full of people. Um, Who entice us to ignore sin. uh, Who twist the word of God to make it say what they want to say. Who justify the lives that they live. And Paul gave us a warning. Don't you know better? You know better. Don't let them deceive you. And the command that he gives to us that follows that is be not partakers with them. That's verse 7. Verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. There's the warning given and then the command that we are to distinguish ourselves, separate ourselves from people in the world who live that kind of lifestyle. Don't be in any kind of alliance with these people. In Matthew, in his commentary, he expounded upon that a little bit. He said, what that means is that you should not commend them for the way that they're living their life. Do you hear me? Do not commend them when they're living contrary to the word of God. Don't agree with their counsel. Don't consent to what they're doing. And don't help them conceal their sin." Now that's Matthew Henry, that ain't Keith Lord. that's Matthew Henry, one of the most respected commentators that, that, that live. You don't have his unabridged commentary, I'd encourage you to get it. He writes some pretty solid stuff, verse by verse, word by word, and he said when the word of God says that we ought not to be partakers with them and we ought not to have fellowship with them, then that we ought not to in any way commend them, agree with the counsel of them. Uh, consent to or conceal their sins and I would add to that list since we're in the seas don't celebrate it don't celebrate it that's not what God has called us to you've heard me say this over and over I've said it and I'm going to keep saying it because there's there's truth to it when you minimize the seriousness of sin you also minimize the the significance of the sacrifice that Christ made for it. Listen, what Jesus did on the cross is a big deal. He died for sin. He died to save sinners. And when you make light of sin, you are making light of the sacrifice that Christ made to pay the penalty for sin and to break the power of sin in our life. The second main point that he says is not only this is if we're going to be light bearers, we got to break ourselves away from the darkness that's around us and agree with the light that is in us. Now, Paul's writing this to Christians. He's writing this to people that are out of church in Ephesus. And he said, if you are, if you're walking in those ways, if you're, if you're wallowing around in that darkness, you did not learn that from Christ. That is not. Who you are in Christ. He said you used to be in darkness. You were, at, you were before this in darkness. But now you're light in the Lord. And so walk as children as light. He gives us two reasons. You're not who you used to be. The Lord has revealed himself to you. As Savior and Lord, you're not who you used to be. He has revealed himself to you. He has revealed his ways to you. When when Jeremiah wrote about the new covenant, when when he told us what the new covenant was going to look like, he said, I will write their laws. I will write my laws on their heart. So when you became a born-again Christian, God wrote his laws in your heart. That's why right after you get saved all of a sudden you feel very uncomfortable doing some things that you may not be able to point to and say this is where the scripture says it's wrong Um, But because when you got saved, Jesus has taken up residence in your heart and now you know more than you did. God's revealed himself to you and you'll feel uncomfortable doing and saying and going and there'll be some things that you know don't fit your life anymore because you're not who you used to be and because you have his spirit living in you. And Paul described the fruit of the Holy Spirit that lives in our life as being in all goodness and all righteousness and all truth. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us goodness, righteousness, and truth. There's no excuse to live in sin. There's no excuse. The the, the one that paid the price for sin on the cross, he, he, he paid the penalty in full. It's finished. And, I, and yeah, I say this all the time, and I believe it. He paid my sin debt past, present, and future. But the Apostle Paul, they said, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So Paul asked that rhetorical question. What then, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In the strongest language that Paul could use. He said, God forbid. How can we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? And then in Romans chapter 6, I would encourage you to go read the whole chapter of Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6 verse 11 he said, "Uh, Likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. In verse 12 he said, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. That word reckon, account yourself. Consider yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Now, I ain't standing in this pulpit this morning telling you that I'm sinless because I'm not. But I cannot let sin reign over me like it once did. I... I've told people before, I don't care what kind of lifestyle you're living in. If you are struggling with sin, I' walk to you, I'll walk with you until Jesus comes. If you're fighting that battle against sin, whatever sin it is, homosexuality, addiction, lying, stealing, whatever your whatever sin that you're struggling against, I'll walk with you because I've got my struggles. But if you make peace with it, then you're letting sin reign over you. And I'm not going to walk a step with you. We're not called to make peace with sin. We're called to make war with it. First in ourselves. So those are the reasons why. He gives us three results. Why, why should we do this? If Christ, listen, if Christ already paid the penalty for my sin, if I got a, if I got a first class kick, ticket to glory, you know, my name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life because he paid the price for my sin. And, and I mean, you, even if you lay aside those thoughts where no, nobody that does this has an inheritance in the kingdom, nobody that does this, um, everybody that does this ha- deserves God's wrath. If you lay those two warnings aside, which I don't think you should do, but why should we live that way? Why should we strive to be a light bearer to the world? Because when we do, we prove what is acceptable. You look at what Paul said. We prove what is acceptable. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 say the same thing, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. We are proving to the world what God finds to be acceptable. We are the first Bible that the world reads. Before they ever pick up the written Word of God, they're looking at our lives. And I promise you, if they don't see a distinction in our life and their life, they'll never be motivated to pick up the Word of God and say, what does it say? We not only are to prove what is acceptable, but we are to reprove what is unacceptable. And that is that our light will expose the darkness of deception that Satan has sown into this world. When we live our life, To be light bearers, the darkness gets uncomfortable in our presence. In fact, darkness and light don't coexist. One has to go. And the third reason is that by doing so, we invite the lost to come to Christ. I believe that's what he means in verse 14. When we live our lives that way, we say to the world, Awake, you that are asleep. And rise from the dead. And Christ will give you the light that he's given to us. When we are light bearers, we testify of what's right, we reprove what's wrong, and we invite the world to come to the Christ that's changed us from the inside out. I preached fast this morning. That's my Christmas gift to y'all. <laughs> but I, I do have a very serious question, and 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 some of y'all, it, it's going. It may it may offend you, but when we read this passage of scripture about abstaining from darkness and agreeing with the light that is in us, do you care? Do you care? I'm asking a very serious question this morning. If you call yourself a child of God, do you care that your life is often full of darkness? in the thoughts, in the motives, in the words, and the deeds? Do you care that sometimes you're a better witness for the devil's work than you are the work of Christ? And here's a statement that's going to convince some of you, but I don't care at this point. <laughs> if this passage of Scripture means nothing to you, if you don't care what it says, then you have never truly been saved. Do you hear what I said? Here's what I believe I believe that the greatest mission field in the world right now is in the Western church. I believe there are a whole bunch of people filling a whole bunch of church rows, pews that have never had an authentic new birth experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. I used to think folks must get saved different than I did. Now I just think folks ain't really got saved. Because I'm telling you, my, when I met Christ personally, He changed me. If you can read passages of scripture like this and say, oh, I don't really care, I got my ticket, my, my ticket's punched, I'm on my way to heaven, I'm sorry to tell you. Jesus said not everybody says, Lord, Lord's going to enter into the kingdom. We read a passage of scripture here this morning that says, people that do these things will not inherit the kingdom. That sounds an awful lot like what Jesus said. That there are people that say, my ticket is punched, my name's written down, I'm going to heaven, it don't matter how I live on earth. That is foreign, completely foreign to the teachings of the New Testament. Because of who you are in Christ, you ought to walk worthy of the calling. And if you have no desire to walk worthy of the calling, you better go back and check your salvation. That's what the Scripture says. Examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. You might find that you're not. I'm not here this morning trying to make you doubt your salvation, but you ought to get your assurance of salvation from the book, not from a man who's telling you what the book says. If you read it for what it says and accept it for what it says plainly and quit letting people explain it away to you, there's some very serious things that the text presents to us this morning. That if you're doing these things, you won't inherit the kingdom. That if you're doing these things, then you deserve the wrath of God. Break yourself away from those things. That's what it means to repent. So if you don't care what this says this morning, I would seriously ask you to check your heart and see if you're really in the faith. Now, the other side of that is if you do care, one of two things is happening. Either the Lord Jesus Christ is inviting you to be saved because you've been exposed to light this morning and, 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 and the passage that we read in John said, when you're exposed to the light and you come to that light, that's when salvation comes. Don't run from it this morning. If you care, then Christ is inviting you to come to that light. He's either asking you to do that for the first time, maybe for the first real time. Because I, I, I think there are a lot of false professions that are out there in the world. Either He's inviting you to be saved or he's inviting you to come back to him because you're living a backslidden life. He's inviting you to stop listening to the lies of the enemy. Don't be ensnared by his deception. Come back. Whichever it is, whether he's inviting you to be saved or he's inviting you to come back to him, whichever it is, I would say to you, and we're going to talk about this next week, Lord, the Lord willing. Now is our time to shine. Now is our time to shine. This is the time to be a reflection of the light of Christ. In fact, I don't know that there's been any better time in the history of the world than what we're living in right now. Do you know? You know this is true. It, the darker the night is, the brighter the most insignificant little light becomes in it. I mean, in, in our, when, I like it dark when I sleep, but there, there are little appliances, hair appliances that have little power lights on them all the time, and when, when that room is pitch black dark, that thing shines like a beacon. In fact, I'll be honest with you, that's how I navigate my way through the house a lot of times. I know what that light is, and I know what that light is. And so I'm going to my destination based on the color of the lights. The darker it is, the easier it is for you to find that light. And we're living in a dark time right now. We're living in a dark world. We're living in a world that's been deceived. And if we rise and shine, the world will see that. They'll know that something's different. And prayerfully, they'll come to that lot. Um, as our musicians are coming, I, 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 I told uh, one Wednesday night a few weeks ago, and I think I've shared it before, but I went hunting one morning um, back toward Axon, back toward where Lisa and Larry They clear cut all that land now, but I, there was a tree stand close to a real big oak tree. And it was a full moon, and the moon was just going down as I was walking to my stand. And I was walking in, and I, I got overcome by just, just raw, spirit-filled emotion because that moon was setting behind a great big old live oak tree. And I mean, it just lit that thing up like a Christmas tree. And I was just awestruck at this thought. That moon has no light whatsoever of its own. None. But it's catching the light from a sun that I could not see and showing it off. I, didn't even, I couldn't even hunt that morning. I was so overwhelmed with that thought and my prayer that morning sitting at the bottom of that oak tree is Lord, I want you to shine on my life and shine through my light so that even if they can't see you, they can see you through me. I want to radiate and reflect the light of God with my life so the world will come to Him. That's what I'm here for. That's what you're here for. That's the moon's job. I think sometimes we, we like that little sliver And I want to be the full moon. I, I, want, I, want the Lord, I want my life to radiate from one side to the other. Jesus said of himself, I'm the light of the world. And then he pointed to those that followed and said, You are the light of the world. He's called us to be his light bearers. And we're not going to do that if we don't abstain from the darkness that's around us. And if we don't agree with the light that's in us, let's stand together. Lord, I love you, and I thank you for loving me. I know my life's not always what it should be, but I do want to live for your glory. I want to radiate the light, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, my my intention this morning is not to make anybody doubt their salvation my assurance of my salvation came from your word I read it I pondered it I meditated on it and I am convinced that you've done something in me that is eternal when I read verses like this I care God if there's somebody here today that's not saved they don't have any biblical assurance of salvation I pray that you would call them to repentance this morning and say maybe there's some Christians that have just backslidden they know and they do care about what they've heard this morning they know there's too much darkness filling their life I pray that they would come home this morning like the prodigal they'll find you waiting right where they walk Have your will on your way in this invitation.